two quick notes before today's show. First, thank you to Larry Ellingson for our wonderful new show music. And second, the audio sounds a little subpar for only the first six minutes of the show. So thank you for your patience. On to the show. Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Molson. And I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Eric, today's guest is kind of the trifecta of things in Spokane. The trifecta. Trifecta. Artist, mm-hmm. um, musician, mm-hmm. and real estate developer here right here in downtown Spokane, and all three uh, pretty influential uh, enterprises. And so our guest today is Dan Spaulding. So welcome, Dan. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. This is radio, Dan. Is, yeah. <laughs> I think my face says it all. <laughs> so uh, I have a question for you, Dan. He mentioned three things. Uh, in what order would you put those? Well, the first one isn't. You know, I haven't painted in probably five or six years, oh. so uh, so we're down to the daily double now instead of the trifecta. Now, why don't why did you stop painting? Um, you know, I had a, a great mentor, a guy named Bob Gilmore, taught at Gonzaga for years, and and uh, uh, as Bob took ill with, with cancer, um, I think uh, I slowed down then, and then after he passed, I stopped painting entirely. Um, I'm not sure why. I just I think I think the music thing took over more than anything, but uh, when I when I do paint again, it'll it'll probably have to be a place in my life where I have the time to really do it right. Because I don't, you know, Bob took it very seriously, and that's one of the things he instilled in me was to like you know push all in if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to dabble. I guess is the answer to that. So you um, and I read this somewhere went to. Ended up going to Gonzaga University, but as we were talking earlier, you were really going in for a business background, mm-hmm. and this is where you met uh, Bob. And is that kind of where things turned? No, oh? uh, I, I completed my business degree. Uh, didn't uh, really have anything to do with Bob at that point. Uh, as I was graduating, and this is a big shout out to my father, Max, who just as maybe a week before I was graduating. Uh, with my business degree, uh, we were having a talk, and one thing led to another, and 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 uh, and it came out that like I didn't really want to do that. He didn't want to, you know, go into the family business, and uh, and he graciously allowed me to leave, and with no grudges and no hard feelings, which was a big thing. So I owe him a great debt for that. So um, various things happen. I kind of. Wandered around and and uh, stumbled across a painting course at the Spokane Parks and Rec, and uh, got some really great people there. And then later um, came across Bob Gilmore just uh, in passing, and we we struck up a quick friendship. And 
and then we uh, then we were off to the races after that. So, so what what specifically did Bob instill in you that kind of fired up your passion to to really pursue it with you know with real discipline? I guess at that point in time. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he did anything other than lead by example. He wasn't wasn't anything he said or or you know instructed me to do other than you know he'd have me over helping him uh, assist in his classes several nights a week and it was just we just kind of you know i just stepped into his his rhythm and his lifestyle of, of making that really the central focus of 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 our being so um just a lot of doing so um when you you ha- actually I don't know if you remember this, Eric, but I think maybe four or five five years ago, you came to LC and did a class for uh, Bridget mm-hmm. Cardong yeah. and with a thing there. So, in fact, I was I remember talking to Bridget in her office, and I was looking up. She had a painting there. So that that's an uh, interesting painting. I think it was a portrait or something like that. And you, she says, yeah, Dan Spalding came up and did this thing. And that's kind of one of these things where your name had kind of filtered in and out. Uh, and she talked about you actually often and how nice that was. So what is it that you were kind of teaching? I, I'm assuming it might have been their AP art studio students uh, at that time. Uh, you know, I always try to tell the students from the start it's really not about drawing or painting it's about seeing and and usually it, it is a matter of kind of taking in this infinite amount of information you have in front of you visually mm-hmm. and finding uh, a way to, to to boil it down to something manageable because when you look at anything there's there's just an unmanageable amount of information to take in so you really have to find a way to to Find some order in it and 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 bring it down to a, a like I say a manageable uh, set of things that you can put on paper or, or canvas. So what what techniques do you use in terms of seeing things a different way that works for you so that you can break it down actually and to put it on down on uh, canvas? One, one good strategy is to squint. You know, if you kind of squint your eyes until the you know, there's very limited information. That's a good way wow. to do it. That kind of helps in a nice 2D sense to kind of get uh, to break it up that way. The other ways are just kind of thinking in terms of simple forms and shapes rather than uh, what we, norm- we normally do, is, which is to, to focus on detail. Mm-hmm. So trying to just encourage students to, to, you know, look at the big picture, think think in terms of large masses and forms rather than before you get to the the easy stuff, which you know, eyelashes and nostrils and whatever else people focus on. So, um, what, uh, what kind of subject matter do you uh, gravitates towards you? I mean, what do you like to paint? Yeah, you know, it and, doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've done a lot of figurative work. I've done a lot of a ton of portraits, and that's always nice because you've got someone with you. Because this is a very lonely pursuit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you're in it, you know, I'm painting a pipe wrench or a or a dahlia. It doesn't really matter because once you're painting, it's it's just it's at the end of the day, it's pigment on canvas. So um, it's you, you kind of I, I I tend to forget it's anything once I get going, and I think that's the best way to approach it because if you're if you're too involved with your subject, then you're probably not going to uh, treat it 
the way it should be treated. And you had that outboard motor up on the wall of Zola for years and years, right? Mm-hmm. And a helmet, and uh, you had a yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's great. I love yeah. that outboard motor yeah. painting. Whatever happened to that? Uh, I believe that is in the art at work program through the through the uh, Mac. Oh, you still okay. call it that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's a good transition because you had your paintings up at Zola. So you are, you're an artist and you start off in business and then uh, you end up becoming a developer. How did that transition happen? Well, uh, it wasn't a transition. It was all kind of concurrent because okay. at the same time I was, you know, meeting Bob and becoming a painter or trying to become a painter. Uh, I was looking for, I had this romantic idea. I'd come downtown Spokane and find a nice little brick building to make, you know, a studio out of and, and, mm-hmm. and just be a, you know, full-time painter. And, and, uh, uh, it wasn't quite that simple. I talked to, you know, I was a bum at the time, had no job. Uh, and I had a lot of people laughing at me when I would go to try to apply for a loan or, or buy a structure. So, uh, the buildings right across the street were the only ones I could get, uh, get into that's because uh, Louis Ray the owner then was willing to to sell them to me on an owner contract and what year is uh, this 93 oh okay ish this is way before the downtown renaissance oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this block was pretty sketchy at the hey. time hey well it was hey. it was different i i was never yeah it was pretty sketchy <laughs> in a, i'm not going to yeah it yeah. was it, there's not much going on down here what was on this block at the time uh what is now the co-op was Goodyear Tires. That was a going concern. Right. Of course, they oh, yeah. shut down at 5.30, and there's nothing there. The uh, House of Charity was on the opposite corner, and that was, you know, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But they were never they posed a problem or became uh, a problem for me, but that was that's where that was located at the time. And in between, it was just a bunch of little shops that did a whole lot of nothing. You know, I would sit over there and watch, and you'd see, like, no one go into these shops all day long. Kind of like cruise boots that's still over a there, A little right? bit like, yeah, yeah, it was exactly like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, with less fog on the windows. <laughs> so, 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 so you yeah. got in there in 93. Yeah. yeah. And well, I was just wondering, you said originally you were thinking, I'm just going to buy a brick building kind of as a studio to kind of live the life of a yeah. urban uh, painter in the studio. When, when did you kind of switch gears a little bit and think about, you know, putting um, a businesses down on one floor and music venue. I mean, I think that it, it just I didn't, evolved. You know, people say, you were so smart to do that. It's like, well, no. <laughs> I mean, I was looking for a place to make a studio, and this is all I could get into, and he wouldn't sell me just the one building. He says, if you take one, you got to take them both. So things kept ratcheting down to the point where I was painted into a corner, you know. So I, so I signed up and bought the buildings and making payments and I'm tending bar over at Fast Eddie's to make the payments every month. <laughs> and uh, so it was like two years of, you know, the water right here at my nostrils. And then, uh, then I, so I put a coffee shop in, it was the Rocket Bakery uh, with Jeff Postlewaite. And uh, we had a really great run for, for a couple decades down there doing that. And that was the first step of the transformation. Once we got okay. the Rocket Bakery in down here, then things started to kind of, it's always amazed me how little it takes to kind of recatalyze an area because once that happened, things got a lot better. 
and that allowed me to to build four apartments on the second floor and once we got those and then it really took off because we had four people that lived here in the block and it was amazing how big of an impact that had on everything around her just having presence and and a sense of place down here Plus making it easier for you to pay the bills and stuff on uh, yeah, yeah, that just allowed me to kind of keep leapfrogging the whole thing. And so it was never a grand plan. It's just like kind of, you know, like trying, dominoes. To make, <laughs> trying to make stuff work. And and, uh, and then it got to a point where I could kind of, you know, fashion things the way I wanted to a little more, which gets into the music venue and kind of having my way with that. So so you, you've been um, pretty influential, and we, we had uh, – uh, Carly and Caleb Ingersoll here uh, and interviewed them, and they, they brought up your name. I think you were uh, involved with them leasing out the, the Bartlett, right? Or do you, you also own that building as well? I know the Richmond is it's yeah. all the same building. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you now at the point where you're part of what you're doing with your development is to also, I guess, grow the 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 music maybe the music and art scene more of the cultural aspect of downtown spokane or is it just again another whatever comes next that seems logical yeah it's i don't uh i really don't feel like i have that much strategy with anything it's just it has evolved this way organically and of course i'm drawn to people like caleb and carly because you know we think a lot alike on, on a lot of things so we run in the same circles and that you know i think it all kind of just occurs organically more than anything yeah so the the latest um venture was the lucky you now mm-hmm. um what was your role in that because they said you had a role i don't know if it was the, the broker sort of to work with the banks or if you actually uh, um, well bought into the building they so we were in in business together at the with the bartlett i mean i, I leased them the space and we mm-hmm. built it out and it was you know, working pretty well. So he expressed an interest in opening a larger space because it wasn't quite large enough where they were to really make it pencil. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple other spots he was looking at, and I said, oh, we can do better than that. So I think it was a couple of weeks we, you know, we scouted around, and, and uh, I found the current location, bought that building, and within a year we were, we were, I think about a year we were up and running again with uh, – the lucky you, yeah, which is killer. I mean, they they did a great job on it. So. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Well, I mean, now that's the bookend. So you got those two across the street, and you got the lucky you. I mean, so you, you didn't set out to develop all this stuff. What was the what was the next building you bought? How did that? I mean, it sounds like you just kind of put one foot in front of the other. There is no master plan. How did the, how did the next building come about? Uh, the lucky you building? No, no, no. The, the after you bought these buildings across the street. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I would just sometimes I'd have a realtor call me up, and and usually it goes like this: say, "Hey, you know, this is so and so with so and so Realty, and it's this great building." And I said, "How much?" And they, <laughs> and they would him and haw, and then and I said, "Look, you know, you called me." <laughs> you, well, I said, "Here's here's something. Here's one thing you got to know." I said, "I don't pay more than two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars for a building downtown because that's kind of the that's kind of the." price of dirt and it costs so much to renovate these old buildings you can't afford to pay anymore now things have changed since then because in recent years the the, the market has changed but but that usually kind of shut them down when i said look this is my this is my ceiling so 
if we're in the ballpark, we'll talk. I said, but don't waste your time or mine if it's going to be a bunch more because, you know, it just you. Someone could give you one of these buildings and you could lose money because uh, you you can sink so much into all kinds of things. Mm. You know, it's like a used car. Somebody could give you a car and say, like, "That's great, I got a free car," and then you find out that you spend twice as much of the the car's worth fixing it. Maybe you've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the um, Bottle Rockets wrote a song called Thousand Dollar Car. Have you ever heard it? Thousand dollar, and and it's about how much money a thousand dollar car actually costs. So yeah, just Walter always <laughs> talks about you know the the twenty five hundred dollar cars he's had rather than just buy a twenty you know a ten thousand dollar car. Right. He buy you know. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> four times as much. Who's, who's got the math here? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but so, yeah, he's, it's, it's kind of the, the the folly of all that. It's like you keep buying one jalopy after another. I mean, you could, should have just gone out and bought a decent car to yeah. start with. So what was the next building you bought? The, the, the one after the ones across the street? Are we done talking about cars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, well, we call it the pie hole. And it's uh, on Second Avenue, and it used to be most recently before we bought it, um, the Cyrus O'Leary's pie production facility, mm, and oh. it was a mess. I mean, everything was covered in flour and and, and shortening. It was crazy dirty in there, but uh, it's where uh, Koi Salon and Lolo Boutique and on Second Avenue. That's right that's, across from Mr. Tuck's. Yeah, right yeah. across from Mr. Tuck. We are getting lots of plugs in here. <laughs> <laughs> we are sponsored by Mr. Tuck. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, I bought that, and that's kind of where we have a little recording studio now, and I oh. I have my shop where I tinker on stuff and and uh, some businesses up front. So it was kind of a nice co-op space. I would say now, though, what what's it, what is, is it more difficult now to – develop these old buildings because it seems like Spokane the real estate is kind of booming a little bit of people coming in and, yeah. and the whole supply and demand thing is it becoming cost prohibitive um, at some point for in what you're looking at uh, for the way I do things probably I mean I I mean I grew up in a wrecking yard and I'm you know and that that's some of that has served me very well and sometimes it shoots me in the foot and I'm starting to recognize that, you know, certain, you know, it's, it's kind of back to the car analogy again. You can, mm-hmm. you can skimp and save and, and try to be miserly in certain areas, but it doesn't always, it isn't always the best path. So yeah. you know, learning. So, um, Spalding auto parts, you know, yeah. uh, iconic, um, business for 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 many years here in spokane in spokane area um all family owned um did you have to uh, spend a lot of time as a kid was i mean did your parents kind of use that also as a part of your education you know with having oh you yeah do very work? much so. yeah. <laughs> i mean it was it wasn't uh it was you know it was it was just what we did it's you know uh, even at a very young age i'm th- talking seven eight years old it was understood that you would come home after school and get your toolbox and go go right up to the to the to the wrecking yard and pull wiper motors for who needed it or or Saturday mornings you're up at eight o'clock when all the other kids are you know doing fun stuff like eating cereal and watching cartoons <laughs> or 
you know, <laughs> we were, you know, laying on our backs in the wet snow, <laughs> pulling whatever, you know, pieces you needed in that car. And it was at the time, you know, you know, you kind of resent it, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything now. I mean, it was such a blessing in disguise. Well, and then did that lead you to doing a lot of the renovations on the buildings yourself? I mean, did it give you a lot of the strategies for that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up with tools in my hand and, and we didn't have YouTube. I didn't have anybody say, this is how you do it. It's like, mm-hmm. here's your toolbox, go figure it out. So to, to disassemble a, a modern vehicle was a challenge in itself, you know, to extract a given part. Uh, you know, it, ta- it takes a lot of advanced concepts for a, for a little eight-year-old monkey. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's where it all begins. Yeah. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Women's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. This is your live and local calendar for Monday, January 16th to Wednesday, January 19th. The Live and Local Calendar receives support from Treefort Music Fest located in downtown Boise, Idaho. Second round of artists has been announced, including Calexico, Japanese Breakfast, Group Love, and many more. March 25th through the 29th, tickets and more information available now at treefortmusicfest.com. Thursday at the Gilded Unicorn, it's Gil Rivas at the Steam Plant, Nick Grow, at Zola, the Blake Braley Band, and at Bridge Press Cellars, Charles Swanson, and at the Pin Creature Feature Drag Show. Friday at the Max at Mirabeau, my own worst enemy, at Zola Whack-A-Mole, at the Lucky You, Hill Stomp, and Atari Ferrari, and at the Saranac Commons, Kevin Partridge. Saturday at the Laguna Cafe, Diane Copeland, at the Big Dipper, Dirtbag, Children of the Sun, and Sidium, at the Pin, Pandemonium, and at the CB Quencher, the Wildcard Band. Sunday at Cheap Shots, Reverend Yo's Voodoo Church of Blues Jam, and at Zola, it's Glass Honey. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. And before we move on from this, I love the tilt-a-whirl benches that you have up there in Zola. I mean, uh, is that what those are, tilt-a-whirl? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how the heck did you, I mean, was what did you have a vision for that, or was it just, I'm going to find stuff and figure out how to put it in there? Yeah, I had a vision, but it wasn't that. It, my <laughs> vision was kind of a Gaudi-inspired sort of uh, creepy organic thing, and I and I and and there were these kind of cup-shaped forms that would house, you know, these seats up there. So that was the original inspiration. 
And uh, so I was looking for the actually the hoods. I thought, oh, those old Tilt-A-Whirl hoods, you know, the big red hoods that went over you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said those would be a great place to start. And then I would kind of, you know, work into that with some some of that gouty stuff and kind of recreate some some of that magic. And I found them uh, up up in Hilliard at the old McKay shows. Uh, boneyard up there and, they, and he said yeah i'll sell them to you but you got to buy the whole ride you know, all of it i'm sensing a pattern here yeah yeah <laughs> right oh yeah i could fill the hour um so so i said yeah okay you know the price was right so i bought the whole ride and like what the hell am i going to do with all this stuff now and then then i got looking at these buckets and i said i'm working too hard this is this is building itself now this is you know these things would be even cooler just as they are up there, the crazy blue paint. And uh, so we stuck them up there and welded them in place, and and uh, the rest is history. You use the rest of the, the ride. The, the foot wells are over the bar. If you go in there, you'll see they're turned upside down and kind of inverted. Uh, and those are the kind of pods above where the, all the bottles are. And we used, you know, used all of it up somewhere. I'm The hoods, the the pieces I went after to start with are still stacked up over in my shop, <laughs> trying to find a home. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, was there anything else over in Zola that was just kind of a serendipitous find that you decided to jam in there? I think all of it was. I mean, <laughs> it's, ironically, the uh, not ironically, but coincidentally, all the a lot of the woodwork, most of the woodwork in there, you'll see, came out of this building mm. because they were renovating this at the time. Jim Sheehan had purchased this, and they had a stacks of trim. Just miscellaneous base and window and door trim. Of course, you know, you guys would change all this out to modern oak. And so I came over and and asked them if I could have that stuff, and they graciously gave it to me. And we, we burned all of it up building Zola. So Holy cow. So, the I mean, it's pretty much kind of like the family business a little bit in that you salvage a lot of stuff and put it to another more creative uh, use for it yeah that's been the pattern i mean um uh, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes it it can it can lead to lots of uh a lot of clutter you know my my spaces are filled with all the stuff that i gotta have i'll find a (laughs) use for it i'll find a home for it and i do but it takes about 15 to 20 years i find in the meantime you gotta trip over it and 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 deal with it and restack it and move it and you know <laughs> it's my it's my way i guess yeah so go ahead well, i was just gonna say lucky yeah. you was the so you say you gotta wait 15 years is lucky you the last one you've done and then you've got another one coming up you are you working on any other building right now yeah lucky you uh yeah we did that caleb and carly did the entire interior oh okay. so i didn't have any anything to do with the the, their treatment inside which i love i think i think you know i wouldn't want to get involved seeing what they do they did such a great job so other than just kind of getting the building back to a serviceable state we didn't really have much to do with you know the design and the the the, the guts of it maybe a couple things here or there but, mm-hmm. but not much uh the the other project that's that's uh devouring me right now is a, another theater over in uh, Des Moines, Washington, uh, just south of Seattle, and it's a, you know, for me it's a major project. So, 
we're in the kind of middle throws of that, that project right now, trying to get the uh, um, get all the concrete work done. And so you said another another theater, and and do you have other projects outside of Spokane? I was just thinking most of your no, this is the only one oh, outside oh, of Spokane. I got you. Yeah. Now you also have a. Uh, I was really lucky enough to. Uh, catch Alan Stone's family kind of camp out. I'm trying to think there's an official name for that out at the Zephyr. And I didn't realize that was uh, your property as well. When did you uh, uh, buy into that? Oh, you can thank my father for that one. <laughs> uh, he, he's always been a real estate guy, he loves just kicking tires. Uh, so when he called me uh, a few years back and says, hey, there's this property I want to go look at. You want? I didn't even know where it was. He just said, do you want to go with me? I said, of course I do, because mm-hmm. I'm the same way. <laughs> Real estate is, is its own kind of creative fun. So we roll out to Liberty Lake, and uh, we look at the property, and, and it's just, you know, I'd never seen it before. It was just amazing. It's just kind of beautiful, untouched chunk of real estate with this old church camp on it, little cabins and mm-hmm. You know, this the oldest structure on the lake is sitting out there. It's a two-story lodge structure with a dozen rooms and and uh, a rich, rich, varied history. So uh, that's how that started, and couldn't say no. So, and that looks like that's really uh, developing into um, quite a place. You know, for either you know large events, you know, like Alan Stone's thing, or I could see you probably have weddings, you know, because of the setting is so uh, beautiful there, um, as well as just people that want to stay. Uh, it's kind of like a hotel as well. Yeah, we're feeling our way through this. I, you know, we had no clue what we were doing again, again. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're kind of figuring this wedding thing out. It's not what we want to do. Ultimately, we'd rather get away from that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, just too many too many expectations that surround weddings, you know, and and uh, we'd like to do more music-related yeah. events, but it's going to take a minute to, to get all that sorted out. But, yeah, Allen Stone has been great. We, we're on our fourth uh, Allen Stone family field trip is what we call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we put that together as kind of a joint uh, labor of love, and, and it's been great. We've got some amazing musicians out there. and. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got snowed on this year. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> I was there. It was miserable. Uh, so that's a good segue into um, your work as a musician. And obviously, we were talking earlier. You, you're playing and currently in four bands. And how did you just? How did you get started in music? And um, you know what inspires you to stay with that as much as you are right now? Uh, oh boy. I mean, I did it as a kid in uh, you know like in high school. You know, um, played saxophone for a year or two in high school, and then then figured I could probably get more chicks if I played a bass guitar or something. <laughs> so I switched to that for a year, and then I stopped. Once I graduated high school, I stopped. I just like because I didn't think I was any good at it, and I'm out proving that now, <laughs> day to day. Like, but I I really love it and enjoy it, and it's a passion for me. So. Um, so I stopped for, you know, a couple decades, I guess, and then uh, just kind of oh wow, stumbled back into it. Uh, a friend of mine was playing guitar, and they had a bass guitar sitting there, and I'm, 
he says, hey, just, you know, you used to play, didn't you? I go, yeah. He said, well, come on, jump in. And so I picked it up and and uh, haven't stopped since then. So, Yeah. So uh, any stories to tell us about the, your, the current uh, bands that you're playing in? And well, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, but it's probably a big can we don't want to open today. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Braley, a young yeah. up-and-coming, yeah, he's um, awesome. great voice and everything like that. How's how's that project going, and how did you guys uh, meet and um, start collaborating? I met Blake through another young musician named Tristan, Tristan Pierce, a young guitarist, and I met, boy, met that kid when he was like 16 you know he shows up at the blues jam with his mom and dad they bring him into the bar and yeah. and he'd just been playing for a short while but i i could see some i said hey you know give me your number and uh within a few months i had him playing with me in a band down here at zola his mom would bring him down and and drop him off and i'd say okay you got to stay up here on the stage because you're 17 and then <laughs> uh and then i drive him home at night and oh. and and so through that, I met Blake Braley, and uh, Blake was just starting in as a, you know, kind of a singer and performer. So uh, we we worked Blake in, and, and next thing you know, these two are taking off like like rockets. They're just monsters, and 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 uh, it's been great knowing them. So. Yeah. How about? And Alan Stone, probably the biggest uh, name coming out of this area that I can think of, you know, at least right now. How, how did you guys uh, meet and um, become kind of a team? Uh, my friend Mark Nielsen was getting married uh, probably 10, 10 years ago maybe. And just prior to that, he said, uh, you got to hear this guy, this guy Alan Stone. Uh, and so we went down and listened with the Big Dipper and then, he had had him uh, booked to play his wedding a short time after that. So he said, let's go and meet this guy. So, um, And so that's how I met Alan Stone. And then I'd bump into him various places, I'm, you know, you know, all across the country. I'd keep bumping into this guy, Alan Stone. So, uh, uh, you know, it just kind of took off from there. And I feel like I maybe single-handedly you know, coerced him into moving to Spokane, but you know, he might he might deny that. But <laughs> yeah, that's I always call it my evil plan. It's working. Yeah, yep. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, when I because I, I play music too, but I mean, I consider it a hobby like golf, uh, where you know some people play golf, I play music. Is that the way you consider it? Or is this something you want to do more of? Uh, you know, become. I don't know, tour, stuff like that. To what part of your life is music? Well, uh, it's a pretty big chunk of it now. That's probably why I don't paint. Uh, we have been, actually, I've been a rock and roll band out of, out of Seattle called The Walking Papers. And uh, we've been touring pretty hard this last couple of years uh, to the point where I can tell you right now that this is a young man's game. This is, <laughs> this is no place for... What's the hardest part? Oh, <laughs> well, or give me the top three. <laughs> uh, you, look, you're driving around in a van most of the time, with with you know, filled with eight people. Let's just start with that. And you all know, your gear. Even under even under the best circumstances, it's it's a trying trying situation. 
you know, then you don't get your sleep and then someone gets sick and then, and then things don't go as planned and then someone's being a jerk and then maybe that's you. Uh, I don't know. It, it, anyone who's probably been on a soccer team and, or any kind of, uh, uh, organization where you're in tight confines with a lot of people for extended periods of time, it's, it's, you know, it's just that, that alone should be enough, but, um, but at the same time, it's great too, you know. So it sounds tough. Is it something you're going to keep doing though, as far as touring and things like that? I think so. Um, how much, I don't know. You know, this is, it's such a crazy industry now. Um, the business of music has changed so much with the advent of, of the internet and streaming and, and the way musicians get compensated for, it never was great probably for most of them. Uh, but now it's gotten even worse. Mm-hmm. You know, Garrison Keillor had a little thing I heard a few years back where he's talking about how how we started out, you know, pe- people play music. They just get together and play music for the fun of it, and they get sheet music and read off those charts, and then, then the radio came around, and then things started to change. And then uh, recordings and, you know, uh, phonographs, and then, then it became more of a business, and it got commercialized, and the television, and then it's even more so. And he says, but now... With the advent of the internet, it's kind of gone back to where it started, where it's just more a labor of love. And I like that because, you know, uh, Bob Gilmore, back to Bob, he always said that that art, by definition, should not be commercially driven. If it is, it ceases to be art. And if you think about music, it's it's the same thing. It's like if 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 you're in you're if you're in it to make a bunch of money. Uh, you're you're misguided and probably going to be hugely disappointed unless you're you know Ed Sheeran or Bruno Mars or somebody which sure yeah well and I noticed that with musicians that I listen to as well their first record is great because they're doing it for love and then when they realize oh this is a job then they're you know foreigner and they have to write I want to know what love is right (laughs) so you're like and you think those poor suckers you know they they think they're thinking of retirement and they think uh I gotta write me a hit so I get that I do get that yeah it's a nice uh you'll love this story so this summer I'm playing with one of the bands I play with over at Zola and it's like a Tuesday night and I won't name the musician friend of mine, but she is, you know, 23 years old maybe. And we're playing our last set, and then we see this group of guys walk in, and they're clearly musicians. You can tell by the way they're dressed. <laughs> they're they're touring musicians, and we can we can we can smell our own. So um, <laughs> probably literally at that point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a long van ride. Yeah. So. Uh, so she made some comment like, oh, you guys must be, you know, musicians or something. They said, yeah. And so we finished the set and we jumped down. We start chatting these guys up a little bit. And I'm up coiling cables, get my gear broke down. And I can overhear the conversation between the, the one main dude and, and this, this young singer friend of mine. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. She goes, uh, so what, uh, she says, uh, what, what's your band name anyway? And the guy says, Foreigner. And she goes, oh, that's a really good band name. <laughs> <laughs> Had no clue who Foreigner was at 23, uh, which I get now. You know, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, that's, oh a, that's, that's a good one. The best. Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, So we had Foreigner, and they're listening to us, minus Lou Graham, of course. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So do you write, too? I mean, I know you yeah. play music, but are you a songwriter as well? I've never tried. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've contributed 
ideas and parts here and there, but never like a song start to finish. You've just never been compelled to do that, huh? I'm not sure I have it in me. I mean, I mean, it's like asking a, uh, you know, a, a tackle on a football team to uh, to kick field goals. You know, like I don't, I don't know if I could. I, mean, I could probably kick a ball. I don't think I could get it 40 yards though. I don't know. I, you know, I. It's an interesting thing. Um, uh, I've never tried it. I'm not sure I have that that skill set in me. I don't know. So you play bass. Um, do you have any? Are there any musicians that um, you listen to a lot um, that's helped you become a better musician, or somebody that you would like to emulate, or somebody that inspires you from a musical standpoint? Oh, there's. That's yeah, kind of a bottomless pit. I don't. <laughs> you know. It's kind of like asking me what your favorite color is. I don't really have a favorite color either. I, and I, I'm pretty broad. I have broad interests in terms of uh, musical genres and and artists. Um, wouldn't know where to start on that one. Yeah. No. Um, you have a upright as well. I saw that you mm-hmm. played. Um, so, do you do any jazz music? Oh, mm-hmm. probably without knowing it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, given the opportunity, I'm, it's not something I've really focused on, but I, I like it, you know. Uh, but I wouldn't call myself a jazzer. I mean, I know I know enough guys who are that I would never count myself among them. Mm. But maybe someday. Yeah. So um, the four bands that you're playing with now, they're all playing at Zola's on each each a different night. Is that right? Yeah. Is that how, yeah. So what what are the four bands that um, that are there? Uh, Sunday night we do a little jazzy bluesy thing called Glass Honey, and uh, some amazing cats in that band. Uh, Tuesday night we have the Desperate Eights, uh, which is uh, more of a rock and roll kind of thing. Uh, Wednesday night is Cruxy, a guy named Chris Lucas and his his band basically, and uh, we've been doing that for a long time. And Thursday night is the aforementioned Blake Braley. Mm. And uh, just some good times. We've been packing that for, you know, half a year now, just lying out the door. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, which tonight I think too is right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So you've dipped your toe in a lot of different stuff. Is there something that you haven't dipped your toe in that's kind of always been in the back of your mind that you'd like to try? Yeah, I mean, it's either something related to something that you're doing or something that's completely unrelated to what you're doing. You know, I've thought about this because people, uh, you know, I think it's the kind of question that comes up a lot in various ways, you know, like what's on your bucket list or uh, or you hear about somebody who's dying of cancer and you think, well, what if that's me? You know, what am I going to do? And and I've asked myself that question, and I don't, you know, if you told me right now I had six months to live, I don't think I'd be doing anything differently. I think you're a lucky man then. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you got a pretty good um, balance of things that, at least right now, you seem to be in a, a little bit of a, a zone. But you have your... You have your music, which obviously is, um, and you got your own play, own venue that you get to play the music in, which is kind of a, a double win, I guess. There, um, 
and it seems like the the real estate um, thing has gone well to this point. I mean, did it exceed your dreams to get to this point of where you were when you had to tell your dad, you know, I don't think the Spalding Auto Parts is going to be for me? You know, it's funny. I just yesterday I was kind of looking out the window and that that whole concept just came up. Like if if you were to you know, take me back to the 25-year-old me when I was at this crossroads in my life and said, okay, fast forward, you know, how many years has that been? 30 years. And this is what your life will look like. I would, I would be like, hell yes, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you going to bleep that? No. I can no, say that. All I right, good. H-E double toothpicks, <laughs> sign me up. Uh, and and it, I think that's easy for all of us to kind of forget how good we have it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's certainly the case here. I, I'm truly blessed and have great friends and, and a wonderful life. So it's, yeah. You, um, so you have a kind of a connection that we, um, sort of have, and I, I don't know if you had Jess's daughter in your class. I did. Or you did. Yeah. So you, you guys have become friends. You came from the same high school, um, I mean, there's got to be a story or two there uh, after all these years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many of them I can tell on uh, the air. Uh, uh, just one that I think, you know, I mean, I mean, that, you know, Justin's got such a great sense of humor. But I mean, uh, well, we, we, yeah, we, yeah, we've got a lot of, a lot of history. And, but the one I like to tell a lot is, uh, uh, I'll try to make it fast. So he called me up one night, maybe eight or ten years ago, and said, "Like, I got these two tickets to a play. My wife can't make it. Would you like to, you know, go with me instead of my wife?" And I said, "Sure." So it's a nice fall, autumn evening, and and we go down and see this play, and it's something heavy, you know, this kind of dramatic thing. I don't remember what it was called. I should, but so anyway, we, we, we step out of the theater and the sun's going down and it's like a October evening and we're wearing our fall sweaters, you know, big cable knit turtleneck sweaters or whatever that you do. And, uh, and we're in this engaged conversation about this heavy play we just saw. And we pass three other guys on the sidewalk as we're walking to our car. And as they pass us, we hear one of them say, I won't say the word, but, uh, basically they called us, uh, you know, homosexuals because we walked out of the theater and we're t- wearing what we're wearing. And, and, uh, and of course our initial reaction is the guys that we are, we looked at each other and, and, and had this indignant look on each other. And then we looked at each other and kind of looked up and said, Oh yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Guess we had that coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I never considered it, but yeah. I'll try anything once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been thinking, so, Sometimes, you, I mean, you're looking back, you're thinking about yourself at 25, and you've been a witness to and a part of Spokane's growth from 93, is that right, when you bought the building across the street? Mm-hmm. Until now. And you've seen a lot of good things happen. And um, I asked Carly and Caleb this question in relation to music, but, I mean, we've come a long way. I mean, I, I couldn't, I grew up here, I couldn't have envisioned this town being this way. Uh, when I thought of this 20 years ago. But the question I have for people who are involved in the mix is that what's the, what's the thing that Spokane needs in order to take 
the right next step. And I'm not saying the next step to become Portland or Seattle. I'm just saying to be smart about what our next step is. I think one of the big uh, benefits, or not benefits, uh, one of the things we have on our going for us as a city is is that we do move fairly slowly, and it's and it's a it's a slow brew kind of thing we have here. It's nothing happens too quickly, which serves us. Uh, you know, obviously we have the. What was the question again? What's well, what what's what is the next step that Spokane? needs to to take in order to and to be smart not to get bigger not to i mean but to i mean if and that is kind of an answer to the question if you think we our next step needs to be to be thoughtful about what our next step is i i I feel strongly about a couple things one is uh kind of in the in the spirit of slowing down it's like this this city got retooled in the 60s and 70s to be basically a speedway you know, it took all these streets and turned them one ways and there's, you know, multiple lanes and and that just tells a motorist, go fast, it don't slow down for that pedestrian no matter what. Uh, and studies have been done. Multiple cities in this country have proven the, the model of, you know, slower is better. Uh, as you get closer to an urban core, you should get more and more pedestrian friendly. Um uh, to the point where some have absolutely no vehicles in the, in the center. Uh, and that hasn't been fully embraced by our, our city leadership. And I think it should be, mm-hmm. you know, just for the, for multitudes of reasons that, that will serve everybody. But, uh, and that more, more recently we've had this kind of, uh, homeless situation that, that, you know, various Western states are facing. And, um, I have thoughts on that too, but that might be better save for another time yeah and we're, we're toward the end but uh so you see that as a significant issue that we need to be tackling yeah quickly. and i think it ties into several other issues but mm-hmm. but yes i mean it's like like most things that are that are a challenge it's going to be it's not just one thing it's going to be several things that have to be done in conjunction to get any real solution mm-hmm. yeah. so um in kind of in that vein and things do go slow um the are the regulations and i i think every probably city has their own set of things but how how does that work for a developer are they stringent enough to keep things from getting out of hand in terms of harmful things being done through development uh, through maybe greed or something like that or are they too hindrant too much of a hindrance to where it's starting to stifle people that want to do creative things question. through the I, do, I haven't that doesn't come up on my mm-hmm. radar um, I feel like it's a pretty easy place to operate in terms of development standpoint. That does kind of uh, bring up one other point that relates to your last question, like what what do we need to do going forward? Uh, I think we have too many properties, at least in the downtown core, that aren't being developed, and they've been sitting that way for decades. Why have they been sitting? I mean, I don't even know why that uh, would be. Hard to say. I would guess, you know, lack of vision lack of drive, lack of, you know, people sitting on stuff to maybe make a buck uh, when ultimately, you know, you, you need to do things yourself. You can't wait for the, your neighbor to develop his property to make your make yours more valuable. And, you know, that's just a kind of a lazy way out, I think. So I, I wouldn't, you know, I would, I would encourage some sort of uh, 
inverse tax structure where like if you're not developing your property, if it's just sitting vacant, that you'd be taxed on a, on a heavier scale. Mm. That's interesting. What if somebody wanted to, okay, so let's just uh, piggyback on that. If Eric and I wanted to, you know, we're get, we want to start a venue, small business, but also music, art, and all the other things that we that we like to do. What what would it cost us to to even get in? Think about getting in the game now in Spokane, with maybe one of those properties. Oh, boy, that's a <laughs> kind of a moving target right now. I don't even yeah. know. I mean. I know things have jumped up quite a bit. But are the banks asking, you know, quite a bit? Is it hard to get a loan at this point in time? Um, is it, or do they feel like Spokane is on a, the trajectory is such a positive trajectory around uh, people coming in and uh, that it's, money is probably fairly easy to get? Um, I couldn't answer that with any real authority or, or uh, good base of knowledge. Uh, my sense is that that funds are available. I mean, we're looking at different funding situations for the uh, project in Des Moines, and, and it seems pretty pretty positive right now. Um, in terms of Spokane, I don't know. I haven't haven't uh, tried anything here yet in terms of getting a bank loan. So. We're about running out of time. I have one more question, yeah. though, because it seems like you have a lot of ideas and you know a lot about Spokane. Have you ever thought about becoming uh, more politically active, or is that not something that's in your in your wheelhouse? Oh, I uh, that thought has crossed my mind a couple of times, and then it evaporates quickly because <laughs> that, that would require probably an alarm clock and <laughs> some accountability, yeah. uh, things I'm not good at. I mean, I, I, that's part of the reason I got out of the family business. It's like I just just wasn't suited to you know being at the same place every day at the given time and having to you know having to do anything you know uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm better off just kind of being a wild card and and uh going with the wind because yeah no i couldn't i would i would be huge just i mean i've tried to be I've, I've been on a few boards here and there and even that's too much for me i can't i can't seem to <laughs> to buckle down enough to, to be of any use. So well, that seems like a good summary of maybe our conversation. <laughs> yeah, <so>. maybe. <laughs> I'm sure wasted a lot of time. <laughs> but you made it here on time, so here. I appreciate yeah, that. that. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot for coming in. I had a good time talking thanks to you. Yeah, thanks, Dan.